What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here in today's episode, we are going to take a look at all of the first round series going on in the NBA, give our thoughts about what's already happened, what we think will happen, just talk about uh, the series in general. So hopefully you guys like that. And now let me introduce you to the rest of our crew. Yo, what is going on, everyone? Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the NFL live stream uh, that, they, that the guys did. Uh, I had fun participating in the chat. Uh, and now I'm excited to talk some NBA. I, I don't think I'm fully going to have a rant just yet, but there could, be, there could be – there's one team in particular – in the playoffs right now that if they keep doing what they're doing, there is going to be a rant heading their way. I'll get to that. later. Well, I, I think I remember, I think, I think I remember you promising something about that. So yes, yes. Yeah. If you listen to the last episode, you know who it is, but I will be getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> and what's up guys. It is Connor, the co-host with the most. And uh, unfortunately, since the last time you saw us, my Hornets got thoroughly and utterly and horribly embarrassed by the Indiana Pacers in that play-in game. That was, uh, I don't know if my eyes can recover from some of the clips I saw from that game. I had to turn it off. It was so bad. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to be here talking about it. You know, at least I've got my uh, my backup team, the Atlanta Hawks, still in the playoffs. So at least I got something to somewhat kind of root for, sort of. <laughs> well, I kind of, sort of... Connor, Hope you're your doing eyes, okay, man. Uh, so were your eyes bleeding from watching that Hornets game? Yeah, they they, <laughs> they were. It was really bad. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, guys. So yeah, this is going to be all around the hoop, kind of like a the last episode was. This is what the playoffs. Now that we're in the meat of the playoffs here, it's what these episodes are going to be about. So, like I said at the start, we're going to talk about all the series, but we do want to uh, respect your time, so we're not going to spend 20 minutes covering each series uh sorry about that but we just kind of want to hit everything a little bit of everything you know put a little bit of everything on your plate today so <laughs> <laughs> for the washington philly series let me let me introduce you to this so um philly has the one zero series lead uh, we all picked philly to win this series ahead of time they're obviously the number one seed eric talk about this game one and just the series in general um, with Philly and Washington and your thoughts from the game. Yeah. So Washington kept this game closer than I was expecting, but I'm still not expecting anything from the wizards in this series. Um, I'm not a believer in the Russ and triple double thing. Uh, what? I, Eric doesn't I like triple about, doubles. <laughs> say I, I've talked about triple doubles uh, ad nauseum on this podcast. Uh, if you don't know that, there's plenty of episodes you can go back and listen to. But but my thing about this game was even though the Wizards managed to keep this game close, Joel Embiid got in foul trouble really early on in the game. And I think that was a big advantage for the Wizards uh, keeping it close. The Wizards were actually leading uh, at times in this game, but then the 76ers pulled away at the end once they had their, you know, full starting five on the court. So uh, unless Joel Embiid gets hurt or unless, you know, Joel Embiid keeps having foul trouble issues, then I don't see the Wizards 
contending in this series. They don't have anybody that can contain Embiid. Uh, Tobias Harris was on fire in this game, and you know while he can be a little inconsistent at times, if he manages to keep shooting like that, Washington's not going to have a chance. And the next series we have here is Boston Celtics at the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets have the one zero series lead, and we all picked the Nets obviously ahead of the series, and they beat Boston by single digits. And this was. I think very similar to the series that Eric just talked about. Nobody expects the Celtics to win the series, but the score looks like it was kind of a close game. And it was because Boston really started out shooting very well. And Brooklyn missed all of their three pointers in the first half. Second half things kind of changed and Brooklyn finally took over the game and easily won the game. I think even though it says 93-104, it was, it was over with a couple of minutes left. And the thing that this kind of stood out to me the most was the Nets actually played good defense. And it's something we hadn't really seen a lot in the regular season was them holding teams under 100 points. It was a rare thing. They held Boston to just 93 points. And if they can, obviously they're going to win the series just no problem, I think. Uh, Boston might get a game. I would expect at most that Boston wins one game in the series. But for moving forward with the Nets, I think it's positive that they were able to play such good defense. And I'll say one thing that could be a curse for the Nets, though, is their social media team uh, has a new logo on their Twitter account, and it has like 16 um, white little boxes around their name. And they're like filling them in for each win because you have to get 16 wins to win a championship. No other team that I can ever think of has done something like that. I just think it's a bad curse for them to <laughs> like act like they've won the championship already. But like I said a couple I, months ago, the NBA already printed out the rings for these guys. Like, uh, I mean, the was... Hurricanes are doing something like that in the NHL. <laughs> they've got like they put up a oh, flag on on their arena every time they win a game. So. Well, that is that in your that's in the arena, so that's a little it's, no, it's outside the arena. Okay, but... well, that's that's still different than your social media picture. That's like. true. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's the Celtics net series, Connor. Talk about the only uh series that has played two games completely so far, uh, the Heat and the Bucks. Yeah, so well, you know, my uh. My agent over here, no, not my agent, my client over <laughs> here. <laughs> my client. We've done uh, we've done a live show for like an hour already, guys. So Connor and I, we should get a break <laughs> tonight. Yeah, really. Anyway, um, but yes, my client, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you know him and the Bucks are up two games to zero. Um, it was looking pretty scary for the Bucks early on in this series. Uh, obviously, in Game One, it looked like it might be a repeat of what happened last season. Um, you know, the Bucks were obviously heavy, heavy favorites last season, being the number one seed, and then the Heat came and took them out. Um, and it was the second round last year, not the first round like it is now. Um, obviously, the Bucks are a little worse. The Heat are a little worse, but. Um, you know, game one was really close, had to go to overtime. Giannis obviously had his struggles from the line like he tends to have in big pressure situations. I think Zach was telling me about this. I didn't get to watch the end of the game, but, you know, Giannis, he had like four free throw attempts in the fourth quarter 
where like two of them he just flat out missed and then on one of them he got a 10 second which like you never ever see in the nba you never see anyone getting a 10 second you don't even see it in college uh someone getting a 10 second on a free throw um so really bad for the bucks that but they did manage to hold on now signs of life for the bucks obviously looking ahead to tonight um, they absolutely destroyed the Heat tonight. hundred. We don't have the box score up here, but it was 132 to 98. Um, the Bucks had a fantastic start to the game, shooting wise. Um, you know, Chris Middleton was hitting everything that he was shooting. Giannis was even like he was one for one from three to start. I think he finished like one of five or something. Not good, um, like he tends to usually have. But uh, he started out like one of one, one of two, and then also. Of surprisingly, Brian Forbes coming off the bench six of nine from three, Pat Connaughton five of nine. Like it was a fantastic shooting night, they were over 50% at halftime. Um, so definitely not expecting them to do that again, but you know, good signs for the Bucks. Giannis was six of seven from the free throw line. Obviously, he wasn't in any real pressure situations in this game, so you know, nothing to deter his confidence or anything. Um, at the line this game, but it's good signs for the Bucks, you know, that they're trying to get over this hump of beating the Heat and trying to get over getting knocked out by them when they were expecting a championship last season. So, um, good signs going forward for the Bucks. And the last series in the Eastern Conference is the Atlanta Hawks at the New York Knicks. Uh, been a while since both these teams were in the playoffs, so they're back in it. And this is especially actually the a, Knicks, <laughs> especially the Knicks, yeah. This has been this is a split here. So Eric and I picked the Knicks. Connor took the Hawks. So Eric, I'll just hear from you first about why you picked the Knicks and what you saw from game one. Yeah, so I took the Knicks uh mainly because of one man, and that man is Julius Randle. Uh that dude straight carried my fantasy team this year, like him and Russ, but uh especially Julius Randle, because he was such a steal for me. But unfortunately, though, in game one, he disappeared. And it was really the biggest reason why the Knicks lost the game. Uh, his shooting night was horrible. And he just, there were times in the game where it looked, you if you if you weren't paying attention, you would have thought probably he wasn't even in the game. I don't know why I couldn't figure out how I wanted to word that. But um, <laughs> But, yeah, so obviously I don't expect him to keep playing like that. I expect him to have a bounce back. So even with as badly as he played, the Hawks still barely won this game. Uh, Trey Young had to hit. He had a clutch shot with .9 seconds left that uh, put the Hawks over the edge. And there was a point where uh, the Knicks were up by three with less than a minute left, left and uh, Bogdanovich hit a three to uh, – to tie it and if he hadn't made that I think the Knicks would have still won the game so while the Knicks did take the L in the first game um, I still think the Knicks can bounce back uh, this was my hardest series to predict uh, in terms of the first round for who I thought was going to win I kind of went back and forth on it but I will say uh, one thing that was really annoying about watching this game though was them cutting to Spike Lee every five seconds like <laughs> Every time the Knicks made a shot and he was all like jumping up and down. I mean, I get it. His team hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time. And so like, I, I get the 
I get the excitement and everything, but like, dang, can we not cut to that guy every five seconds so we can just watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> just watch the game. <laughs> yeah, and then Connor, talk about uh, from the Hawks' point of view why you picked the Hawks, and then uh, positive signs from game one. Yeah, well, I mean, like Eric, this was the hardest one to predict. I mean, really, if you're going to watch one of these, you know, series here in the East, because most of them are pretty lopsided. Like, it looked like we thought that the Bucks heat might be close, but now that's not looking true. And then, obviously, the Nets and 76ers should easily run away with their series. So if there's one series to watch in the East, it's this one. Um, I didn't contemplate too long. I was always going to pick the Hawks for this in my mind, but... Um, really for the Hawks moving forward, it's just like this is most, it's not all of it, but it's most of a blueprint for, you know, how to beat the Knicks going forward. Obviously, like Eric said, Julius Randle was awful in the game. I think he was something like 6 of 25 or something shooting, like maybe not quite that bad, but it, it was pretty yeah, bad. I think, I think it was, I think it was 9 of 23, like if I remember, it was, something, it was bad. Yeah, it was something and, bad. And, and so. from three, and from three, he was like, one of eight or something like that again don't remember exactly but it was bad (laughs) yeah so um there was that obviously trey young had a big game um the only thing going forward for the hawks is that they really need to get danilo gallinari going uh going again because he had a terrible game um you know at least for them it wasn't like trey young or um clint capella had a bad game clint capella didn't really score many points but that's not really what he's there for you know he's there for his defensive presence so um I said, really, you know, it's a good win for the Hawks, you know, get beat the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, you know, get that first one of the series on the road. So you take away the home court advantage. Um, You know, it's going to be a good series going forward. I don't know what else much there is to say, but I said the Hawks, they have their blueprint now. They just have to stick to it. Just as long as they can keep shutting down Julius Randle, I see no reason why the Hawks cannot win this series. All right. Going to the West, where kind of like you said, things are starting to get more exciting in the West. And especially because of this series, a lot of people expected Utah to win game one against Memphis. But Memphis comes out with the win, so they're up 1-0 in the series. Now, we all picked Utah to win this. Uh, Connor, talk about the Donovan Mitchell uh, weirdness that happened in him not playing and, and your thoughts moving forward for this. Yeah, so apparently I just read about this today, um, you know, because I know I was a little shocked when I was, you know, I think you guys were watching the game because I think I was watching a, a hockey game, but um, you were telling me how Mitchell wasn't in the game, and I was like, what? Like, you know, I had read everything up to this game saying that Mitchell was ready, he wasn't in pain anymore, like he was ready to play, and apparently at like the last minute, the jazz training staff basically like pulled him from the roster. Like they scratched him. They're like, Oh wait, no, you're not playing. Like we're going to keep you out. It's hard to like, they had the last say on it. And apparently Donovan Mitchell was really upset with it. Um, you know, he said he was fine. He was ready to go and the jazz didn't want to play him. So the article kind of went into like, I don't know if you guys would know more about this, I guess I'll, ask you very quickly but apparently they were talking about how there's already kind of been tensions between mitchell and the jazz like mitchell's kind of not happy being in utah so um i don't know if you guys had heard anything like that but i had heard last year that there was tension but mainly it was because gobert gave everybody covid like (laughs) i didn't know that it extended beyond that so that's a bit of a surprise but that was the latest that I had heard also. I will say, okay. though, that if they don't, if they somehow were to lose this series, it would be really bad 
for it, yeah. it would be really really bad for for them like yeah so so basically that's what i heard i don't know if there's anything going on behind the scenes but i mean really at this point like if mitchell doesn't show up for game two then honestly like especially if the jazz go and lose game two i'm really gonna start to think that mitchell's gonna want out of utah um but he should be ready to go he should be ready to play um you know they the Grizzlies controlled this game from the start. Like I remember we were talking about, it, I was like, wow, the Grizzlies are like still up by 10. Like they were up by 10 for a vast majority of the game. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not going to panic if I'm a Utah fan yet. Cause obviously Mitchell should be back next game, but you know, the Grizzlies they're they're hungry. They were led by Dylan Brooks of all people in that game. So um, who knows? Anyone can get hot on any given night. And, you know, the Grizzlies again, to get that first win, in Utah, you know, take away that home court advantage. It's huge, especially for an eight seed against a one seed. Cause you know, we've, we've seen crazier things happen. So who knows? It'd be really bad for me. Cause I picked Utah to win the whole thing in this bracket, but um, you know, yeah. we'll see. Well, I do remember in, in last year's bubble, the Blazers were the eight seed. They won. I think it was game one actually. Yeah. They, they beat LA in game one in game one. So that was, and then, and then LA won the next four. So it's like, in the championship. You know. so, <laughs> um, not saying that'll happen, but yeah, the next series here, this is a real fascinating one. The Lakers and the Suns. the Suns get the win. It was a tough, tough win for them to get 99 to 90. We all picked the Lakers in the series. I really wanted to pick the Suns. I, I really contemplated this a lot. I ended up going with the Lakers, but uh, Eric, do you want to start us out on talking about this game? Because I know you watched it, and, and you probably have some thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if it weren't for Chris Paul getting hurt in the game, I think the Suns would have won by more. And I, well, obviously I'm locked in on this since I picked the Lakers before the series, but, you know, in my mind, I would feel like the Suns would have a great chance at winning the series. But the problem is when Chris Paul got hurt, even though he came back in the game, you could tell that shoulder was bothering him. He was constantly dribbling the ball with his other hand when he was dribbling it in his right hand, which was the same side that the shoulder injury happened on. Uh, he was losing the ball a lot, and when he was shooting, a lot of his shots were coming up short. Uh, honestly, I felt like they would have been better off taking him out of the game and just sitting him out the rest of the game. But they still got the win. But with that injury going forward, I don't. I really don't think the Suns have a chance unless the injury was really minor and he's able to you know, be at 100% within the next game or two. The other thing, too, why I still like, kind of don't think the Suns have a chance is just that AD and LeBron were both really bad in this game, especially uh, Anthony Davis. And, and that's not like him. Um, I, I don't see him playing that poorly the rest of the series. I mean, obviously, I won't mind if it happens as a Laker hater. Like, I would be totally fine if the Suns win this series. Uh, and as a CP3 fan, I, w I would be happy for the Suns. But I don't see LeBron and AD playing that bad again. I don't see CP3 getting back to 100%. And the Suns are really going to need him if they're going to you know, be able to, even though they're the two seed, it would be an upset uh, if the Suns were to win this series. So 
Um, those were my thoughts on the game. Plus, uh, I swear, man, I cannot watch a LeBron playoff game where he, like, doesn't get injured, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> quote-unquote injured. <laughs> yeah, like in the playing game, like, you would have thought his eyeball got ripped out of his socket the way he was acting. And then, then it, Chris Paul, who's, like, half his size, like, grabbed his arm at one play and then he was acting like his shoulder got torn out of socket like I mean I don't know but then two minutes later like he was fine you know in both situations and he hit like a fadeaway three in the play-in game and then he came right back out there like no problem after the shoulder thing so I don't know uh I don't know I, I can't watch a LeBron game where he doesn't get injured it's just I don't know it's just it's crazy but um but yeah so I I just I I hope the Suns can do it. I just don't think they can. But Zach, do you think differently than me, or like, what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, I think differently than you, and it's not necessarily because uh, the Chris Paul thing isn't good, and and I agree with what you said about him, but I disagree about this Lakers uh, situation because if you take out AD and you take out uh, LeBron. And if they have bad games, the rest of this team is bad, man. They're they're worse than they were last year, I think. And I just feel like the Suns, uh, they've, they've kind of surprised me all year. And there were other players that were stepping up for them. Like, since Chris Paul got hurt, Booker uh, did really well. Bridges was good, I, I feel like, he, um, for a bit. And for whatever reason, they just caused uh, a lot of problems for the Lakers and I'm not a fan of the rest of the Lakers team. And it's not the first time ADs disappeared uh, from games. And I've seen AD, especially for halves of games where he shoots and gets two points and a half. He's just not aggressive at that times enough. Same thing with LeBron. I think too, they just don't have the shooters around. LeBron's a great passer, but it's not great if you pass it to guys who miss wide open threes, which that's this Lakers team. So I'm, if I was Phoenix, I'd be feeling good. Now they they have to win this game too. So they go to LA with the two zero lead. Protect home court will be important. But I'm I'd be feeling good if I was a Suns fan. Um, yeah. Well, well, I guess like my my thing is is like I I definitely agree with your position about the Lakers not having as good of a team around LeBron and AD as they had last year. Uh, especially with the bigs uh, that's been their bigger problem with that. Cause like Deandre Ayton was getting offensive rebounds and putbacks like crazy. Whereas, you know, with guys like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee who they had last year, I don't think that type of stuff would happen. But I think when LeBron and AD like both click though, even with the rest of the team, not being that good. I mean, it's, it's hard to stop them. I mean, cause you saw it in the Warriors game in the play in game. Like it was the same story is this game where the first yeah. half they were both really bad like LeBron and AD were both really bad but in the second half like they started clicking and AD was making his shots and then and the defense played better and they 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 had that urgency and they came back and won the game that was my biggest problem like if I was a Lakers fan watching this game was when they were down in the fourth quarter it wasn't like they were down by like 25 points or something i mean most of the time it was anywhere from a range of like six to 12 points like easily in the nba standards easily doable to come back but it just seemed like 
they were playing like as if it was like a preseason game or something like it just seemed like they didn't care i i just i just thought that i did think that was really weird i don't think that's going to happen going forward but that does happen to this lakers team sometimes though where they get complacent for some reason and i don't know why they do that like if i was a lakers fan i would be I would be really upset about that because, like, uh, guys, uh, you do know we're in the playoffs now, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. You know, like I said, I they don't always do that, though, so I, I don't think that will affect them going forward. But if LeBron and AD get it going, though, I, I just – I don't see the Suns winning this. But if they – I mean, if they play, like, game one, though, then – the Suns could definitely get it, and I hope it happens. I, I want to be wrong on this. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so the next series we have here is a game that's actually going as we record. That's uh, Portland Trailblazers at the Denver Nuggets. This is a, a real fascinating series. I think one of the more entertaining ones to watch just because the two superstars are the hu- are the main attraction in this. Now, Portland, they got the game one win. On the road, 123-109. We all picked Portland to win the series. And it's here's the thing is what I noticed in this game one was Portland has the better team. There's no question with the injuries that Denver has and the health that Portland now has, they have the better team, uh, hands down. They And it was a really interesting strategy that they did in this game defensively is they basically just said, okay, Jokic, you can score whatever you want. They let him score. They, they just allowed him to score. And it was frustrating in the first half um, because man, he's Jokic is so good. He's going to be the MVP well-deserving of that. He's incredible. But the problem is, is when Jokic gets the rebound, takes the ball down the court and then just dribbles in the post and scores the rest of the offense gets lazy and cold and out of touch. And that, that really showed because when Jokic went off the court, uh, they just couldn't score. There was nobody else that was consistently making shots for Denver. Um, and, and that's the problem for them is they don't have that second scoring option. And actually, Portland did have that second scoring option because in the first half, uh, Carmelo Anthony really saved their butts uh, scoring <laughs> – 18 points uh, overall. I mean, he he made three after three, and the fans were booing him, and it seemed to make him better. So I hope that continues going on whenever they play in Denver. But Carmelo, he stepped up big in the first half, and then the second half, everything came together for Portland, really, in that third quarter. And then another thing, too, that was kind of funny, I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, but after the third quarter, they interviewed Denver's coach, and... The, the lady interviewing uh, called him Mike Malone, and then he corrected her right away and said, it's Michael. It, he was so keyed up. Like, it, it was – he was definitely stressful. Um, you got you to gotta watch that uh, clip where she's like, Mike Malone, I'm here with Coach Mike Malone, and then he's like, it's Michael to you. Like, <laughs> you guys got you guys to see that. Um, That's um, Mr. Malone to you. <laughs> but, yeah, so – Look, Denver's a good team. I think some Portland fans in the first half were like, oh, this should be so easy. That'll be a sweep, and we won't have to worry at all. Like, no, Jokic is going to – Jokic is legit, man. He's going to carry them in a game at least. And the key is to survive the runs because that's another thing too. Both these teams, they seem to go on runs 
uh, where they score like 10 points in the blink of a second. Because even in this game, too, that I've been watching, Denver was up by double digits. Now it's only a six-point lead for them. Uh, Lillard and Lillard made a logo three. Nurkic made another three. So Portland, if you know anything about them, they can score points. So uh, I think for Blazers fans, just relax a little bit. We should have this series okay. This is still a favorable series. Just relax and don't uh, get weird because I've seen Blazers fans get weird uh, calling for weird. Well, one guy was like, I want our coach to get a technical foul to show he cares. I'm like, dude, this is a close game. You don't want him to get a technical foul and then get free throws. But uh, that's some Blazer fans are, they really hate the coach. But why would you? uh, Oh my God, dude, that's, that's so dumb. Like, let's just give the other team a free point. (laughs) Or (laughs) two free points. His reasoning was like, he'll get the ball too. His reasoning was like, he needs to show that he cares. Like, the players are just complaining. Like the coach needs to step in and, and take a technical for him. I'm like, wait, not in a close game. The, not in a close game. <laughs> this, is, this isn't hockey where you can have someone like step in and take a fight for you. Yeah, like yeah. you know, you can't just come in and take a technical. <laughs> like that's that's dumb. All right, we will close this out with the last series here: Dallas Mavericks at the Clippers. Mavericks are up one to zero. Connor and I took the Mavericks. Eric took the Clippers. Uh, I guess let's just hear it, Eric. What's uh, what's going to make you possibly rant after this yeah, game? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it's one game. So, as a person who picked the Clippers, I'm not a Clippers fan, by the way. I'll preface this in case if anybody's wondering. Like, I'm not a Clippers fan, but um, I've been a believer in them since last year. But yet, they've, you know, continuously let me down and I'm not going to fully panic here just yet. It is just one game, but uh, so far it's looking like pandemic P back in the bubble again. And Kawhi Leonard was horrible in this first game too. Like, I don't know, man. Like, and I, I said it in a previous episode when we were previewing this, that, you know, if the Clippers don't meet their expectations that, you know, they're going to be getting another rant from me because I predicted them to uh, win the whole thing last year. And then, of course, they got bounced in the second round. And it wasn't even like they lost to the Lakers. They lost to the Nuggets. After and being up 3-1. <laughs> yeah, they, had a, they blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, uh, who got torched by the Lakers. And then... Um, I mean, this time, while I don't have them going as far, I still believed in them to be able to get to the Western Conference Finals. and uh, Which would be a first for the yeah, franchise. <laughs> that's crazy. But I was like, well, they'll lose to the Lakers, but they'll at least get there this time. You know what I mean? And right now, after having this horrible first game to the Mavericks, uh, you know, it's they've already lost the home court advantage now. And it's looking like they could be looking at a first round exit, which would be even worse than what they did last year. So I don't know. There's going to be a rant coming if they don't win this series. And, and the crazy thing is too, while like Luka Doncic went off in this game, but it's not like both Luka and Porzingis were going off and like the whole team was, you know, going crazy or something. I mean, it wasn't like, one of these like playing tournament games where we saw teams getting like 140 points. I mean, you know, 
Luca went off, but it wasn't like anything else crazy happened. And you know Luca's going to get his numbers, but Kawhi was bad shooting. Paul George was bad shooting. The Clippers as a whole from three were bad. I mean, I don't know. Because I, I, I was willing to give them a pass because I was like, okay, they got a you know, new center that they're more comfortable with. They got some more you know, help at three-point shooting. They got they rid made- of Luke. They got rid of made- Williams, who was going to strip clubs, you know, instead of being with the team last year and all that stuff. Like, what were you going to say, Connor? So they made the fantastic move of signing Nick Bum. Yeah, they brought in Nick Bum, and you know, and then supposedly, you know, like Paul George and well, I don't know if it was Kawhi as much, but you know, supposedly, like, you know, a big part of the problem last year was you know that Doc Rivers was the coach. So then they brought in the you know, amazing genius Ty Lu to be their coach, uh, promoted him. And I don't know, but I still thought the Clippers were going to be good and, you know, make a nice deep playoff run. But after one game, it's not looking like it, but they still have time. I'm not going to fully panic, but, <laughs> uh, but so Connor, uh, since you're taking the side of the Mavericks, they did win the first game. Do you still feel pretty confident that Dallas takes the series or do you think the Clippers can turn it around? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing that I definitely think the Clippers can turn it around if Kawhi and PG can find their games. Because obviously, you know, they're still, if they're playing at the top of their game, Kawhi and PG is probably the second best. You know, well, okay, I shouldn't say that because now Brooklyn has their super team. So I'll say like they're like the third best, you know, superstar tandem in the league behind like LeBron and AD. And then, of course, you know, the trio going on in Brooklyn of Harden, KD, and uh, Kyrie, but, you know, they're still a really good team if they can get it together. I mean, I will say, you know, obviously on the last four or five matchup between the Knicks and Hawks, I think that one was closer. I was pretty confident in picking the Mavericks on this one. I think Zach mentioned that, like, I, I think I might have made a typo and put the Clippers on our Yeah, I think picks. you did, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, I was pretty confident about the Mavericks in this one. Um, you know, I talking about my X factor that I had for the series Porzingis. I mean, he didn't really have that good of a game. I mean, I guess I didn't talk about the X factor of, you know, pandemic P and Kawhi, like bad Kawhi Leonard showing up, but, um, you know, Porzingis really needs to get it together because four of 13 is not going to cut it and only four rebounds. Like that's not going to cut it in this series against the Clippers. Like they're not always going to play bad. So, um, you know, they're going to have to, he's going to have to get it together. Doncic, he's going to have to probably play a little bit better. Like, he obviously had a, he had a triple double, like, woo, but um, he wasn't super fantastic. Like, he did have the most points and everything, but he wasn't super fantastic in terms of percentage wise. Um, but other than that, I don't really see any bad things for the Mavericks. Like, they played their game again. You know, we've mentioned this a lot with like the Grizzlies and the Blazers and um, the Hawks, like getting that first win on the road is pretty key um, when it comes to a series. Cause now you flip the home court advantage. So, um, you know, as long as the Mavericks can keep playing their game and especially if Porzingis shows up, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for the Clippers to get back. Like Kawhi and PG are really going to have to come and show their true form or otherwise, like Eric said, they're going to be bounced in this first round. And, uh, big time rant's going to be coming because I, I knew a rant was going to be coming if they got bounced in the second round. Like, uh, <laughs> but I think an even bigger rant's going to come if they get bounced here in this first round. So <laughs> that'll be pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that would... Well, can, can we just, I mean, I know for the sake of the fans, it would be entertaining, but for the sake of my like 
mental and emotional health can we not have this happen like <laughs> clippers can you just do your job and get to the western conference finals at least like come on <laughs> yeah that's gonna i don't, at I this don't point, feel like I'm, i don't feel like i'm asking for much you know like <laughs> at this point it's definitely looking less real than than it did before but all right guys i mean, that's yeah, gonna... I mean, I mean well here I'll, actually before you end it i yeah. will ask you something eric okay. do you in your head Let's just assume that, you know, obviously Mitchell's coming back. Let's just assume that Utah, you know, goes and wins like these, you know, finish, takes care of business against Memphis and the Clippers do come back and beat Dallas. Do you in your mind see any chance for the Clippers to beat a fully healthy Utah Jazz squad in the playoffs? I do. because Because that would be their next opponent. Yeah, I do. I don't, I'm not a huge believer in the Utah Jazz. Uh, If they don't have Mitchell, then the Clippers shouldn't have any problem against them. But even with Mitchell, like, I still think the Clippers can beat him. Now, if Pandemic P keeps showing up, then no, then they they don't have a chance. (laughs) But I don't know. I just, I've I've always felt like the Jazz were kind of overrated. I'm not a huge believer in them. But, again, the Clippers, though, it's so hit or miss. I mean, you never know, like, you yeah. never know when they're going to go off and have a great game, and you never know when they're going to, you know, forget to show up. So uh, they're so hard to predict. But I, I thought the Clippers would have learned their lesson uh, after yeah. last year's playoffs because, obviously, they underestimated the Nuggets. and uh, they, they They're turning into the back. Bucks in the in the West. Like, the Bucks have, <laughs> have lost uh, – playoffs that they should have won and they're, oh, they're... yeah the, the bucks have always had expectations and never lived up to them and now the clippers yeah. are the same in the west yeah that, that's a great comparison honestly like so yeah i'm gonna i want to save my breath though for you know see what happens here but i but i did but yeah to answer the question i do think they can beat the jazz if they advance but they got to freaking get past the mavericks first <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't even know if they can do that right now like I said, it's just one game. I'm trying not to pan it too hard, but I'm thinking about what happened last year too much, I guess. But I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this, and we'll be back next week to talk probably about some of these series wrapping up. Some of them, we might see some round two series coming up and some other ones going down to the wire, maybe game six, seven sort of thing. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. And until then, remember, be clutch. Bye. Peace.